gets. Once you start scouting, it's like a disease. It gets in your body. You're infected with it. You're tuned in to the Infectious Scouting Podcast with your hosts, Russell Landy and Rick Saratello. At it again, it's another edition of the Infectious Scouting Podcast. I am your host, Rick Saratella, telling it like it is when it comes to the NFL Draft since 2002. It's what we do. Make sure you check us out, NFLDraftBible.com. And of course, I'll be riding with my co-host, star of the show, riding shotgun as always, Russell Landy of Infectious Scouting Podcast, of course, of the Calgary Stampeders and longtime scout for the Alouettes. UCLA Bruins back in the day, St. Louis Rams, and uh, original XFL. We've been uh, kind of covering, you know, the progress of the XFL here on these podcasts. Of course, GFL free agency, NFL free agency. We're going to talk about the quarterback carousel. I mean, I cannot, in my ooh, 18 years of covering NFL, uh, have never, ever remembered a offseason quite like this when it comes to the quarterbacks. Uh, there was one year with Drew Brees and Dante Culpepper back in the day. Nick Saban was the head coach of the Dolphins. Since that free agent crop, I don't think you've ever had so many quote-unquote franchise quarterbacks be available on the open market. So we're going to discuss that. Of course, we're going to talk NFL Combine. It's the Combine time. And, of course, this new CBA is getting interesting because uh, now we'll, we might get an extra regular season game. We might get an extra bye week. It's going to push the Super Bowl back to President's Day week. Don't you know, uh, the NFL has done a masterful job of creating no offseason. So we will literally go from the Super Bowl one week to the NFL Combine the following week. And I got news for you, folks. The Combine will be a ticket event. In L.A., give it a couple years. The Combine will eventually move to Los Angeles. They're going to sell tickets to fans. They're going to monetize it. And moving it to prime time is just the beginning. So to break it all down, as I mentioned, Russell Landy right now on the Sports Management Worldwide Hotline. We welcome him into the show. Russell, I'm getting a little bit excited, my brother. Oh my! Well, firstly, for you to say you're getting excited, that's scary because Rick is a bundle of energy 24-7 every day of the week, and he's wired to go all the time. So if he's excited, oh my goodness, we better watch out. I mean, people better get off the roads. You don't want to be anywhere near this. Rick is going to be going 300 miles an hour for the rest of the time up until the combine is done. Well, I, I, I'm just excited to leave the uh, NFL Draft Bible Laboratory. Uh, you know, I haven't, haven't – uh, you know, haven't shaved or showered in about a month, Russ, you know, just cranking out this uh, all-star game recap, and we're going to release that uh, by Monday in just a couple of days. It'll have 350-plus scouting reports. It'll be your ultimate combine primer. Uh, so all you need to do is uh, go to NFLDraftBible.com, download that PDF, and listen to this podcast, and you'll be all set. Uh, you know, the most fun thing before we get into the uh, festivities, Russ, you know, I genuinely look forward to the Sports Management Worldwide Football Career Conference because sitting on the panel with you and I think we have Sally Clavel uh, from the uh, uh, San Francisco 49ers, Eric Galco from uh, the XFL will be joining, joining us on the scouting panel. But I do enjoy um, talking about the scouting industry, uh, trying to help the next wave, the future generation of draft Knicks. And, you know, really just getting to meet some of these guys that, as you know, we get to travel the country throughout the year, various events, and always run into the sports management worldwide graduates or students, guys that take your football GM and scouting course. And it's just really, it truly is the best networking event in Indianapolis during the week of the NFL scouting combine. Well, there's no doubt. It's a lot of fun. I think the, the people that come there get a great opportunity to meet people that are in the industry, whether it's our panel or a panel with Mark Dominic. Um, you really get a chance to, to listen to people that are working for teams, that are working in the media, covering teams, and hear about how the industry works, 
how to set yourself up to, to hopefully get an internship, to hopefully get a foot in the door somewhere so you can start the road to working in football. And, and it's also a lot of fun because there have been a lot of people that have come there saying, how am I going to make a contact? What's going to happen? And they end up making contacts with other people at the conference. And a year later, they're running a website or they're working for a marketing firm with that person that they met. So it's not always about going to work for a team. It's about the contacts you make, the friendships you develop. So I think this is going to be year 13 or 12 that they've been hosting this conference. And I've been sort of the the, the guy in the center of it. And uh, I'm excited about it. I always have a great time. I've met so many people there and so many people that have been there, either took my class beforehand, end up taking my class afterwards, and then end up being part of my scouting company, become a close friend, and then go on to work in different industries, whether it's working in the CFL or the NFL or places like Pro Football Focus. There's so many different avenues. Um, and it's really been a blessing for me to be a part of this so long. And I love the chance to teach these kids and, and to make contacts. This conference is always a blast. And I also want to throw out the fact that I'm excited that uh, the few days before the conference, we're going to be over working out about 300 kids at the uh, National Scouting Combine, which is different than the actual NFL Combine. This is an independent combine um, put on by former Virginia Tech kicker Jimmy Kimmel and gives me a chance to work out about 300 kids that didn't get invited to the NFL Combine and see if any of them are good enough to either come play for the Calgary Stampeders or potentially go into the NFL because I share all the results with all the NFL teams. So I love doing that too. This week, this week in India is always one of my favorite weeks of the entire year. No doubt. You mentioned the uh, Beyond Sports Network National Scouting Combine, another event that I've had a chance to be a part of along with yourself. And, uh, you know, we're out there clocking the handheld times, and that's because Fusion Sports, who also conducts the uh, CFL Combine, as you know, Russ, uh, they laser time every drill. So uh, there's no yep. ifs, ands, and buts about it. Uh, these are great results that you can get on paper. Russ and myself are always clocking the handheld 40s, but if you're a small school guy or a veteran guy or just someone that needs to get testing and measurables down on paper, you don't have a pro day to work out at, this is invaluable stuff here because you get a profile created, you get your uh, test results, and then from there, you're already in Indianapolis. So if you have an agent, your agent has to be an indie for the annual NFL PA meeting. So uh, if you do well, it's an easy layup for your agent to kind of promote you to the NFL teams during that week of the NFL scouting combine. Of course, uh, Phil Blackwell, who also does the NFL regional combines as a part of the event. So it's a great, great opportunity for these athletes. And I think uh, you know, it sounds like we're going to have an all-time high and we'll be uh, testing a lot of players. And meeting and speaking to a lot of those folks as well. I'll tell you what, my inbox after we leave the part Indianapolis for us, it's like, it's, uh, it's quite the beat. Oh, it's so crazy. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about um, some of the stuff that's going on in Indy. And I want to talk about the quarterback class because, you know, um, during the combine, it's like the – uh, what do you call it? The pre-negotiating window. It's almost like the cheating window where uh, teams exactly put out feelers to the to the free agents. And man, I I don't know if you were on the hold uh, when I was talking about this free agent quarterback class. I mean, there's guys like Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, uh, Drew Brees. I mean, uh, the list goes on. Jameis Winston, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota. I mean, I can't ever, ever, ever remember this many signal callers hitting the open market all at once. I mean, what is going on here? You know, it's really amazing. I think what it really is, is I think you're seeing, obviously, Brady is sort of the outlier. You take him out of this because he sort of forced this by having the leverage to make sure it was in his contract that they couldn't franchise him. But the other guys, I think it's really come down to is you have some organizations that are trying to figure out what they're going to do. I mean, San Diego, I think, truthfully, I don't think they know what they're going to do in terms of what direction they're going as a franchise. They found a way to basically waste Philip Rivers' career um, and virtually do nothing with it the whole time he was there playing at a high level. I think they're trying to figure out what they're doing. I think Tennessee is sort of, do we pay Ryan Tannehill a fortune 
off of half a season of really good play, but really he wasn't throwing the ball a ton. So do we really want to invest that money or do we want to go draft somebody? And I think a lot of teams are sort of stuck in that quandary. And it really makes for a very interesting year. I think you're going to see certain teams, in my opinion, are going to really do the smart thing, which is you don't aim for just one thing. You don't say we're just going to get this better or we're just drafting a guy. In my opinion, you attack it from all angles. And I think those the smart teams will do that. I think the teams that are not well run will do it the complete opposite. They'll put all their eggs in one basket. And there's a good chance if that basket, that one player doesn't work out, that they'll be back in the top five picking for the next five, 10 years. So it's going to be a very interesting free agency period. I mean, if you're a team that's looking for a quarterback and you're trying to figure out, hmm, we have a top 10 pick and we love Joe Burrow or two, and we'd love to get him in the building. Well, that's great, but only half the quarterbacks that go in the first round succeed. So are you going to put your whole franchise future on that? Or do you draft one of them and maybe sign a guy like a Marcus Mariota, who obviously has fallen out of favor in Tennessee, is not going to be back there, was a, a huge success in college, has shown flashes of brilliance in the NFL. Bring him in also. See if maybe with a good quarterback coach, one of the two can develop. So I'm really intrigued to see where teams go and what they do. Um, I think you're going to see a few teams set themselves up for a great situation for the next decade. And I think you're going to see a few set themselves up to be top five uh, selectors in the draft for the next five to ten years. It's going to be so crazy and so interesting because, to your point, you know, Cincinnati at number one is Joe Burrow going to force his way out there. Then you've got uh, Detroit at number three, who recently, you know, they re restructured Matthew Stafford's contract. And now in Vegas, Detroit and Miami picking at number five, they're actually the two favorites to select Tua. So they think they firmly believe Detroit's in the market for a quarterback. Miami at number five in the market. You mentioned the, the Chargers at six. I mean, they would love to have a Justin Herbert, I would imagine, but who knows? He might not be there uh, when they come up to pick. And then you have teams like that are behind them uh, that could trade up ahead of them. Carolina is in the market possibly for a quarterback. Uh, Jacksonville, I think, might still feel like they're unsettled. And then Las Vegas at 12, we know they got the ammunition. If they don't land Brady, they can move up. And, you know, my point here is I want to put the uh, GM thinking cap on, Russ, here, because, you know, you mentioned the, the bust rate of quarterbacks in the first round, but the opposite end of the spectrum is the reality is Dak Prescott just turned down $35 million a year. Jameis Winston wants yep. $30 million a year. Uh, the rumors are the Raiders will offer Tom Brady two years for $60 million. So if you're a GM, obviously every team is different. And some teams like the Dolphins and Chargers have a contingency plan in, in place with the Tyrod Taylor or Ryan Fitzpatrick. But what is the best way? to build a competitive team because if you're if you're paying a quarterback thirty million, it, it, it becomes tough to to build out the rest of your roster. Now and we've seen a lot of these quarterbacks on their rookie deals lead teams to the Super Bowl. So if you're one of these kind of teams and need a quarterback, what would be your preference in terms of restoring order to that most vital position? Well, first, I think there's a, a great point to be made that if you can get a quarterback who's a first-round pick, or even if you were a second or a third, but a quarterback that starts as a rookie and you get him for as a four-year starter on that rookie contract, it, it lends enormous flexibility to your team because he's eating up so little of the cap. But the reality is if you're a well-run team, the cap rarely comes into play because you, you're smart and you do things the right way. But the thing to me, if I'm Carolina, maybe, like you mentioned them as a team that maybe would trade up, well, see, that makes sense for the Raiders because the, in Carolina, they have a brand-new head coach. So he's not getting fired this year if things go poorly. John Gruden's not getting fired probably in the next five years unless they absolutely bottom out and goes over 32 for two years. So they can afford to trade up maybe and go get a Tua who probably isn't going to play this year. But to expect a team like Detroit, who there's no question, if they don't win 10 games and get in the playoffs this year, that whole front office, that coaching that they're all fired. Are they really going to draft a quarterback who, from what I've been told, is 50-50, whether he even plays this year? That would be insanity, in my opinion. So I, I think there are teams that have the option to go get a young guy and build around him. I think a team like Detroit is sort of stuck in that if they go the rookie route, they're almost assured, unless they strike gold with that rookie, 
that they're going to be scraping and clawing to keep their jobs at the end of this year. So I think they're going to stick with Stafford. I think they're going to find a way to keep the veteran. Um, if it were me, my choice would always be, hey, let me take a quarterback that everybody in my building feels comfortable is going to be a quality starter in the NFL. Let me get that guy in the first round. But I'm also going to go get a veteran guy to be there to mentor him and maybe to start for a year or two because you never know with these rookies how, how many of them are ready to start right away, how many of them need a year or two as a backup before they're ready to step into that role. So to me, the smart move is to tack it from both angles. Draft the guy in the first round. If you can get the guy you want, don't reach for a guy that you have questions about, but take a guy you're confident in, but also try to get a veteran guy. I'm not saying go get draft a guy in the first round and sign Philip Rivers. I mean, financially, you probably can't do that. But what if you draft a guy in the first round and you try to go get a Tannehill or a Mariota, who's probably going to cost half what Philip Rivers will? Well, at that point, that's where you can say, yeah, I'm, I'm covering my bases. I'm protecting myself. So that, to me, is the smart way to do it. I'm not saying all the teams are going to do it because most teams do not run smartly, but that's how I would do it. No, I like that strategy. In fact, I remember a few years back when uh, the media was kind of laughing at the Eagles because they signed Sam Bradford to a big con- – well, not a big contract, but a starting money contract, and then they drafted Carson Wentz. And, you know, it worked out pretty well because they flipped Bradford for a couple of picks. The Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, Wentz wasn't – hoisting the Lombardi trophy at the final game, but he helped them get there. And then I think about what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith, kind of, you know, holding the fort until Mahomes was ready. And, you know, we saw this past season, the end result uh, worked out pretty well. Um, and you know, not only that, but I'll throw in with the, with the, you mentioned the Chiefs. What about the fact that even this year, when Mahomes is a starter, their veteran backup, Henny, goes down. So instead of going with an unproven guy, they immediately go, let's find a veteran to come in and be there to keep things calm. Because they bring in Matt Moore, and he's a veteran. He may not be a great player, but he's a veteran who knows what he's doing. So when Mahomes gets hurt, Moore is able to get them through a handful of games, win the games. And that kept them with the number one seed. If they had thrown that into a rookie's hand saying, just get us through these three games, we're going to be fine when Mahomes gets back. They may have been the third seed. They may not even go to the Super Bowl. No, good point. You're right about that. I mean, it's so so important to have two quarterbacks now. Like if you can have a Brian Hoyer or a Teddy Bridgewater on the bench, uh, especially now you're adding an extra game, it sounds like. Um, you're adding a bye week, so now you're drawing out the season to 19 weeks plus the playoffs. You might have uh, 23 weeks of action where you got to suit up. Uh, very few teams have their quarterback left the entire season. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, well, think about this. You what know. if you're a team? What if you're one of these teams that's thinking about a quarterback situation? You mentioned a perfect guy. There's Teddy Bridgewater, right? He would love to become the face of a franchise again. What if you're a team and you sign him to a $16 million deal for three years, $48 million, and you draft a quarterback in the first round, like two who you know is unlikely or at best 50-50 to play this year. You let Bridgewater be the starter. And a year from now, if Bridgewater plays great, he's still under contract for two more years. You trade him. You get a first-round pick back for Bridgewater, and all of a sudden you've got your guy Tua ready to step in and take over the reins. So, I mean, smart teams are always thinking two, three years ahead and how to get value for every pick and every player, whereas dumb teams always just rush and, and just say, oh, we're going to solve it with this one pick, and they're never thinking about the future. They're only thinking about today. Last point I'll make on the free agent quarterbacks, I'm just curious, uh, two, two quarterbacks in particular, Cam Newton and Ryan Tannehill, these, we're talking about these are $25 million quarterbacks on the open market. I just have a hard time buying that. But somebody's going to give them that money, I believe. I mean, are these guys getting less than $25 million? I mean, we're talking Cam Newton and Ryan Tannehill. Someone's going to pay these guys big bucks. I would think so. The only way I could see Tannehill not getting it, Newton, I think, is going to get it. Because if he checks out medically, I think someone will be willing to do it. Um, is what if... All of a sudden, those teams that that are willing to wait for that say, say, hey, River signs with somebody, Brady signs, and then those teams that are in the first round, early in the first round, say, you know what? All the teams that want quarterbacks have signed their free agents. We're going to go get our guys in the draft, and we're going to get there's there's Burrow, Tua, and there's um, a there. All three of those guys are there, and there's only three teams left in the top twelve that need a quarterback. You may see them all take a deep breath and say, we're going to wait on. 
a veteran quarterback until after the draft. Then a guy like Tannehill might be in panic mode. He might sign the deal for lesser money because he wants to get something done before the draft. But he and Newton are going to be people that people are going to be going crazy for, especially Newton if he's medically cleared, on that second wave. But they're not in that first wave of quarterbacks. You can't worry about them when you start talking about guys like Philip Rivers because they're not even in that class. Russell Landy, Rick Saratella here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. Each and every week, counting you down to that 2020 NFL draft in Las Vegas. And time to shift gears and talk about that combine. But let's stick with the quarterback conversation for just a second longer, Russ, because every year we're always trying to find that diamond in the rough. Who's this year's Zach Prescott? Who's going to be this year's Gardner Menchu? I think went in the sixth round, winded up starting a handful of games and doing very well for himself. So when you take a look at the QB crop invited to Indianapolis and uh, the usual suspects we all mentioned are there, but there's also some intriguing kind of under the radar uh, guys that are going to be out there in Indianapolis. Give me a quarterback that you think is going to kind of maybe raise some eyebrows or surprise some folks, kind of inject his name into, you know, maybe the day two or day three category where teams are kind of viewing him as that developmental guy who could be the next Dak or the next Gardner Minshew. Well, I mean, everybody, I think a lot of people are going to be talking about Anthony Gordon because of Minshew. They're going to instantly say, well, that's the guy. Um, and I get that, but I'll, I'll give you a quarterback that I think is is really right now, I think is a borderline draft pick is the kid from Princeton, Kevin Davidson. Um, I think this is a kid that if he goes there and shows physically that he can do it arm strength wise, I think teams really want to get a feel for, does he really have the frontline talent that you need to play at the NFL level? Cause I think they all know this is smart kid. You don't get through Princeton and start a quarterback like he did, um, as a dummy, um, so he's a guy I think it's a big week for him. He needs to go there and prove that he physically has got what it takes. That's what people want to see. And I'll tell you two other guys, they're more well-known, but I think that these are big weeks for them. Jalen Hurts, um, huge week for him. I mean, it's a kid that people have been talking about. Oh, he's not an NFL quarterback since when he was at Alabama. Then he goes to Oklahoma. He has this phenomenal year. And there's still rumors of, oh, did people want him to play, uh, work out another position at the combine? Obviously, he's going to work out as a quarterback. But it's a really big week for him. He needs to show NFL teams that when when it's just quarterback-specific drills, how does he look? Does he look like an NFL quarterback? Or does he look like a, a phenomenal athlete who happens to be okay throwing the ball? It's a big week for him. I also say it's a big week for Jacob Beeson. It's a kid you and I have talked about a number of times on this podcast. I mean, he may be the most physically gifted of all the quarterbacks in the draft, just in terms of release quickness, arm strength, combined with his size and athleticism. But obviously his production is inconsistent. One year as a starter in college football, he has a chance this week to either rocket himself up and make him the number, make himself the number four quarterback, or he could be, he could be the inconsistent guy at the combine that he was throughout his whole career in the one year as a starter out of Washington. And you could see him fall into that third, fourth round category if he really struggles this week. So to me, those are three quarterbacks. This kid from Princeton, Jalen Hurts, and Easton. To me, those are three guys that you really want to watch if you're a fan watching this at home and the workouts being at night. Take a look at those three. How they perform is going to have a dramatic effect on where they're drafted. Whereas a lot of quarterbacks, you sort of know what you got with a guy like Burrow, with a guy like David there, you sort of know what you got. And even though Burrow probably isn't going to throw there, if he were to throw, it's not going to dramatically affect his draft stock. Same way they bear. But these three guys, they could really change the thoughts around the league on them, both good and bad, based on how they perform. No, it's an intriguing group of quarterbacks. And I'll throw one other guy into the mix here. And, you know, I, I did a new mock draft for the All-Star Game recap that'll go out to the subscribers. And at number 22... I think it's number 22 where the New England Patriots are selecting. Tell me what you think of this fit, because I I think this is a guy that's going to improve his draft stock, not by the on-field performance, but when he goes and sits down with these teams behind closed doors, there's going to be a team that falls in love with them and says, hey, you know what? We got to get this guy. And to me, that guy is Jake Fromm. So I still believe there's going to be a shooter out there in the first round, and I could see him with or without Brady coming back. I could see him in that New England system, kind of sit for a year or two, compete with Jarrett Stidham, but the upside, and yeah, I get it, the arm strength is not the greatest, but what this guy can do uh, in terms of between the ears, 
I still believe there's going to be some first-round love for Jake Fromm. Do you agree or disagree? Oh, I agree 100%. And I think he's going to surprise people with his – if he throws, which I believe he's going to, I think he's going to surprise people. I think he's got a stronger arm than people give him credit for. Um, I think once he works out, I think he could – I think there's a chance he could jump into the mix to be the third. I really do. I mean, this is a kid that – I think when you watch him mentally, I think he's ahead of everybody. But I think the issue is going to be when people look and say, okay, how did Georgia do at the end of the year? And he bopped in that last game. He really did not play well in that LSU game where they got blown out. So I think teams just need to be able to get over that, get that bad feeling out of their mouth. This combine is a great chance for him to do that. He's a very gifted kid, both physically and mentally. Yeah, I agree. He's a guy that... I'd be, I'd be stunned if he's not a first-round pick, and I think he has a chance to get into the mix with some of these other guys. I mean, not many people were talking about Daniel Jones last year being a top-ten pick. Um, most people thought that he was a little bit inconsistent, stuff like that. This kid, is at least coming into the combine, is every, every bit as good as Daniel Jones was last year coming into the combine. So he could shake things up, no doubt. You nailed the perfect one there. And I could definitely see the Patriots being a team that would fall in love with him because he's got a lot of Brady-like traits in terms of not a great athlete, but still a quick mover within the pocket. Not a rocket for an arm, but a good enough arm. And unbelievable Their mental toughness and smarts. Yeah, I think he's probably a little bit, a little bit more proven than Jimmy was coming out. But yeah, there's a little bit of similarity there. Yeah, and then I throw out two other quarterbacks that I'll be keeping an eye on, and I'm curious to know how you have them going into the event. I view them as kind of borderline fringe draftable guys, but you know they wouldn't surprise me if they go mid late round. They wouldn't surprise me if they go undrafted. I think Indianapolis can determine that. And I'm talking about Cole McDonald from Hawaii and Nate Stanley from Iowa, who, you know, had an opportunity to compete in the all-star circuit, uh, you know, passed on our invite to the NFL PA bowl, didn't get invited to the shrine game or senior bowl. He's been working with our good friend, Tony Rassiope here in Jersey at test football Academy. So I know his fundamentals and mechanics are sound, but how do you view uh, Nate Stanley from Iowa, Cole McDonald of Hawaii heading into the combine? Well, Stanley's uh, probably one of the most, um, I guess I would say frustrating guys um, to evaluate because there's no doubt if you take three or four plays a game, his best three or four plays a game, he looks like a rock star. He's got the big arm. He's a much underrated athlete. He's not going to win any races, but he can move and get out of the pocket, and he can throw on the move. Um, he can make rip throws from all over the place. Um, when he's on and his confidence is high and he's not nervous or worried, he really looks like an NFL quarterback. But the problem is, over half the time, he's not confident. And he's throwing balls in the bad spots, doesn't see the coverage. But yeah, this is a huge week for him. Um, I think he, if he does well, and I, and I think part of his prep work being not only at Test Academy, but being an Iowa guy and the mental toughness they develop there, I think he's probably going to do well in Indy. Um, especially in the interviews to where I think he'll get drafted. Um, you mentioned the kid from Hawaii, McDonald. I mean, this is a kid I think NFL teams, like I've talked about before, they don't go to Hawaii to, to go to watch live practice. So they'll see him live in games, but they don't get a chance to really get that live, up-close, personal look that you would when you see a guy practice. I think this is a chance for the kid to really show off that arm because I think when you see him play, you do see him make some phenomenal throws at times in terms of arm strength, but you don't see it all the time. So I think he's going to impress some people with his arm strength. I think when they see him live, I think they're going to be very positive about this kid. I think he's going to cement his stock as a probably in that fourth to sixth round area. I think he's a guy that's going to really put himself, sort of assure himself of being drafted as long as he shows up there and does what I think he's capable of. Yeah, no, it's, I think it means more for him than any quarterback to, to your point. No one's really kind of seen him live, and he's got a live arm. He's got the arm strength. He can make all the throws. So we'll be keeping tabs exactly. on that. You know, uh, wrapping up the quarterback, we didn't mention Jordan Love, but I will say that the uh, combine is built for a guy like Jordan Love to shine. Uh, you know, the problem with him is under pressure, uh, forcing throws and trying to put the team on his back and do too much. We won't get a chance to see that. But those, you know, when the bullets come flying, Jordan Love uh, makes me a little bit hesitant and nervous. Um, so I think we've done a good job covering the quarterbacks there. Again, I could see up to 10 teams in the league with a new starting quarterback next year. So it's going to be uh, remarkable to kind of watch how this offseason unfolds. Uh, Russ Landy, Rick Saratella here. 
We'll be in Indy next week. There, we'll be at the SMWW panel uh, speaking. We'll be at the BSN uh, National Scouting Combine. And, of course, the NFL Scouting Combine kicks off Tuesday. Uh, I know the uh, uh, Pro Football Writers Association is in a little bit of a frenzy because there's never been a media day quite like Tuesday Usually, Ross, they space it out and do a couple positions. They'll do GMs one day, head coaches another day. With everything shifting to prime time, they're doing GMs, head coaches, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends all in one day. So uh, the media is going oh, a little man. bit crazy. I don't think they know what to do with all this because it starts at about 9 a.m. They'll wrap up about 2, and then you got to wait till 7 o'clock until the festivities start. Uh, obviously, this is catered towards the fans, but just quickly here, your your thoughts and impressions on this whole new format. Well, you know, obviously, I mean, we we all know that the NFL, it's all about making money. They want to get eyeballs on the uh, the, the workouts, um, which are fans. To fans, that's the most important part of the combine. To teams, it's not. Um, and, I, and I think just a side note, I think where you're going to see the, the power of the NFL, I think you will see those primetime ratings will be higher than any sporting event pretty much in the month of February. Um, and I think that is sort of terrifying that watching guys run around doing drills at the combine is going to get better ratings than NBA, NHL, and even and, and, and the XFL. It's going to be higher than everything. It's, it's going to be unbelievable how many people sit there and watch this stuff when I literally can't watch it. I just get so bored watching these guys run around in shorts and a T-shirt. It isn't worth it to me. Um, but give the NFL credit. They've built the combine up to be an event. They have made the draft its own, basically separate sport from the NFL. Um, it's, give them a ton of credit. I think the media people are going to, their heads are going to explode about two days into this, having to do like you talked about all the stuff they're doing in that one day when the coaches and GMs are talking. Literally, they're going to be literally interviewing, writing, interview, writing the entire day. And as soon as it ends, they're not going to get to stop. They're going to keep writing and writing and writing and writing. And then the onset workout start, and they're going to keep writing and writing. They're literally going to be doing about 17 <laughs> straight hours of work for two or three straight days. You're going to see some writers, they're almost going to want to throw their hands up and say, I quit this business because this is insanity. <laughs> no, it's going to be a crazy, crazy week. And uh, it's a can't stop, won't stop type of situation. Uh, that's how we do it here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. We uh, broke down the quarterback very, very well. And then the other uh, intriguing uh, aspect of it is always the skill position players, especially, you know, we don't really cater to the fantasy football audience here on this podcast, but, uh, you know, you know those fantasy footballer fans especially love to tune in, watch the running backs, watch the wide receivers, who's that, you know, tight end running, you know, Evan Ingram 4-4 uh, speed down the line. Uh, so give us some kind of intriguing uh, skill position players that you're going to be keeping an eye on out there in Indianapolis. You know, the guy I'm going to be watching more than anybody, and it's a guy that we've talked about that I'm that I really question if he's if he legitimately has the tools to play in the NFL, and that's Tyler Johnson, the big receiver out of Minnesota, because the reality is his route running is phenomenal, his hands are unbelievable, his smarts, instincts, everything is fantastic with this kid, except for one thing. I don't think you can run. So his combine performance, both in the vertical and the 40 and the short show, all those things are going to be so important because he needs to at least prove that he's at least maybe just at a little below average. If he comes in and he runs in the mid to low, mid to high four sixes, it's, it's going to scare a lot of teams off. If he can somehow get in the mid four fives, teams are going to take a deep breath and believe they can get him to play to that speed. Because when you watch this kid on film, you don't see explosiveness. Like I said, you see everything else. His routes are phenomenal. He knows how to get open. He has rare ball skills. Um, he, to me, is one I can't wait to see. You, you mentioned this kid to me a while back, and I've gotten to see him. And I, I'm sure I'm going to screw up his last name. But Raymond Calise, um, the kid out of Louisiana, Lafayette. Yeah. And this is a small yeah. school kid who's got some real juice to him. Um, I think he could really make a jump. If he goes out there and shows that explosiveness that he shows on film and he shows that at the combine, this is a kid who could make a name for himself. And I'll give you two other guys. One kid that I think we both saw, the Duvernay kid down in uh, Mobile. Great week. Oh, yeah. I think really sort of 
set himself up saying, hey, I'm, I'm at the upper echelon of that second-tier receivers. He really helped himself in that mobile. He goes to the combine. He has a good combine. All of a sudden, you're talking about a guy that's going to be pushing. I don't think he's going to get there, but he's going to be pushing to be that bottom of the first round. I think he's going to be a second-round pick if he has a good combine, but he's going to be pushing. And the other kid is K.J. Hill out of Ohio State. I know everybody's talking about Bosa, um, or not Bosa, but uh, Chase Young and, and the Akuta kid at corner. This kid on the other side of the ball is a shifty receiver, has a little bit of juice to him. I want to see how well he does the gauntlet drill. How well does he do interview-wise? This is a kid that's got a little something to him. I want to see how he does at the combine. You know, I'll tell you, these Ohio State-wide receivers, I think uh... – Austin Mack and, and Benjamin Victor are also going to be in Indianapolis, but it seems like every year Ohio State just has all these high-flying wide receivers, um, you know, that come out for the draft. And I, I would throw Van Jefferson into that Devin Duvernay equation as well. Oh, he really 100%. He had another great year. week, no doubt. Yeah. So, And then, you know, the one underclassman that I'm kind of curious about, too, is that Lynn Bowden from Kentucky, because, you know, he started – uh, the last yeah. five games at quarterback. And, but, I mean, he's such a great athlete. I think this is, the, you know, a, 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 a contributing player at the next level. And, you know, his yep. draft stock may, may have suffered somewhat. Uh, I think he could be a potential day two pick had, had he had more film his senior or his this past year. Um, so I want to keep yep. an eye on him. And then, you know, the one curious guy that, I, I, I'm kind of curious to see how the NFL perceives him because he was a five-star coming out of high school. Uh, when you talk about his spark uh, measurables, I mean, this guy, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you, you know, they have those formulas where they kind of take all the testing from, from uh, Indianapolis and give you a score. Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan is going to test as good as any. Yep. But he's just the classic underachiever, never really panned out, struggled with some injuries this past year, decided to come out early. Um, you know, almost, I mean, Rashawn Gary had a little bit more production, I feel like, but kind of a, a similar type of prospect where he's an all-world athlete. It's just not the production. I mean, he can return kicks. He can be on jet sweeps. He can take a bubble screen and a blink and take a you know, the distance, but Donovan Peoples-Jones, like if you told me he went in round one, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me he went day three, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. You know, he's one of the most frustrating guys, I think in this whole draft, because you mentioned the athletic ability. The problem is when you watch the film, you don't see it very often. He doesn't play with that intensity and passion to show it. He seems mm -hmm. like hey, everything's good all day, all night. It's just the same. Doesn't seem like there's a change. It just seems like he's on a sort of an even kilter all the time. I don't get that passion, desire, excitement from him. And because of that, I don't see it. I don't see that elite athletic ability on film. And I know people have been talking about how well he's going to test and all the different things he's going to do. I'm not sold on this kid. I really look at him and think, wow, I could, I could see him being out of the NFL in a year and a half. He does not excite wow. me at all as a player. Yeah, he really he makes me wonder – who is advising this kid to come out early? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, well, you know, hey, we all know that uh, every year there's a handful of guys that make uh, that mistake. And it's, you know, my New York uh, City guys, will. Pre it's like waiting for the J train. It just never comes. Yeah. You're waiting. You're yep, waiting. exactly. <laughs> it just never arrives. It just never arrives. <laughs> uh, one, last, one last guy. I'll throw out there because I thought it was interesting listening to, I, I had a chance to, uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to it this year. Like I have in years past. I, it's probably my first time tuning into it this year, but the Daniel Jeremiah Bucky Brooks podcast, uh, not that I was surprised, but they were pretty adamant about the LSU running back, uh, you know, being the number one back in this year's class, you know, him and Deandre Swift, they, they felt it was literally a toss up. Uh, I'm curious your perspective. You've brought him up uh, in the past, but do you kind of view him as the RB1 in this year's draft class? Is he better than a Jonathan Taylor, uh, uh, a J.K. Dobbins uh, uh, type of guy? You know, I think he's better than Dobbins. You know, I think I've, I've mentioned before, I'm not a huge Dobbins fan. I don't know if he's got that quickness and burst. Um, in terms of Taylor, it's sort of interesting. I think when you look at Taylor, Taylor's a little bit more powerful. Um, as a true just hand-the-ball-to-him runner, I think Taylor's a level above this kid. 
But I think in terms of contributing out of the backfield, this is probably a level above Taylor. So I think a lot of it's going to come down to, in terms of ranking, what teams, which teams put the inside running and the ball carrying above being a part of the passing game and vice versa. Um, but I think he's, I'd be stunned if he's not a first round pick. I mean, I really think that if you're a team that spreads the ball around and likes to throw the ball 10 to 15 times a game to your running backs, not just one running back to your running backs, this guy could be your number one with another guy as your number two and combining, they could both carry the ball combined about 20 times, catch about 12 to 15 balls. And all of a sudden you're going to have a dangerous offense because you're going to have two guys that can move around and line up and swap out. So I, could, I think he's going to be picked a lot higher than people are anticipating. No, I agree. And, you know, those two guys are plugged in as well. So when they say, you kind of kind of say, say to yourself, well, hey, you know, maybe I need to readjust my rankings a little bit here and, and bump uh, Edward Solaire up on the big board. But, um, you know, one last question on the running back position. You know, last year you mentioned uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, decision to come out early. Last year, we saw the Georgia running back, Elijah Holyfield, come out early. We saw him completely flop at the Combine, and I think he went undrafted. He might be floating around on the Panthers practice squad now. What is the cutoff time for Zach Moss of Utah? Because there's some rumblings there. He might run a disappointing time. Is he a guy, I mean, if he runs 468, is he still getting drafted? You know, I think he probably does. I mean, I think we only need to look back to the kid uh, who led the NFL in rushing, um, Kareem Hunt, Alfred um, a few years back. I mean, this kid went four six two, went in the yeah. third round, right? I mean, so I mean, with running backs, to me, I've always looked at it like, hey, I want to see what your ten time is, because that to me is more important than your forty for a running back. That ability to get through the hole—that's your ten. That's not your forty. But at the same time, if it's over a four seven. There's no way you can realistically save this guy as an NFL back. But guys are running the mid to low four sixes. You can get away with that. I mean, Emmett Smith was not a blazer by any stretch, but he was a phenomenal running back. Uh, the Cream Hunt kid, obviously, phenomenal player um, in terms of as a football player, not getting into anything else. And this kid ran a four six two. So, yeah, I'm not going to worry about Moss's time. Now, don't get me wrong, run the four eights. Four nines like John Clay did when he came to the combine after that one year at Wisconsin were dominated. Yeah, that sort of tells you that he was a product of the system. So as long as Moss runs under a four seven, I think he'll be fine. I'm not saying a four six eight guy is going to go in the first three rounds, but he's going to get drafted. But a four seven five, four eight, he ain't getting drafted. One of the many storylines to keep an eye on as we uh, count down here will be out in uh, Indianapolis. I'm sure we'll get together and do a podcast at some point out in Indy, Russ, uh, you know, before we wrap up our combine conversation, give me, give me your surprise guy. Give me a guy that is going to depart Indianapolis with a much higher uh, draft grade than when he entered. Well, you know, I could throw out the guys like Zach Bond and and Hopkins tight end from Purdue, because I think right now people are sort of in the public saying, oh, these are second round, maybe third round guys. I think it's kind of they're both first rounders, but they're not really surprises. Everybody knows they're elite guys. I'll give you a guy. We've talked about him a bunch because of the NFL's desire to find pass rushers. And because this year there are not a ton after that first grouping, the kid you and I have talked about, the Yatur Gross Matos kid from Penn State. We both know mm-hmm. there's some inconsistencies in his game when you watch the film, but every game there's some flashes. There's competes. I think this combine, he's going to show that he is a top athlete for the position. And as always happens, anybody at the defensive end position who is a freak athlete, which I think this kid's going to prove, they fly up draft boards because NFL teams are so desperate to find pass rushers. I think this is a kid that's going to go to Indy. It's going to work out well. And I think in the bottom five to seven picks of that first round, some team's going to say, you know what? He will not be here at the end of the second round. We're going to roll the dice and take this immensely gifted, though wildly inconsistent pass rusher from Penn State. Yeah, you know, and after, you know, Chase Young, it's kind of cloudy. I think Indianapolis will kind of help clarify uh, the edge rushers. You know, the LSU kid, Chison, um, is going to be in the mix there. You know, we saw the Alabama kid, Terrell Lewis, at Mobile, who I felt was very disappointing. the only time I saw him was when I was eating breakfast on the back of a milk carton. Um, 
you know, I, I think that the, <laughs> the safety class also, I think that, you know, the safeties are kind of being underrated from a, from a national media coverage standpoint. I think some of these guys have been kind of forgotten about. I think Grant Delpit, remember him, is going to kind of remind folks like, yeah, hey, exactly, right? I'm a top-notch athlete here. And, you know, the Antoine Winfield Jr. kid, I mean, I believe he's a first-rounder. and I, I agree with you 100%. And then also, um, there's another guy from Cal, Ashton Davis. I mean, this guy's a track and field standout, uh, ran track over there at Cal. I think he's going to be flying down the line and, you know, maybe uh, putting himself in that first round consideration. So uh, I think the safety class, which is, I believe, the final day of testing, um, could, you know, kind of end the combine festivities with a bang. Um, you know, we're banging in. Don't, don't you mean final night here. of testing? Yeah, final night. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, which, which you know, uh, to your previous point, will be kind of cutting into the XFL TV time and uh, ratings took a dip. I think attendance took uh, you know, attendance kind of stayed uh, stayed healthy, um, but a lot of teams you know playing their first home games. Um, the ratings, though, Ross. You know, you you hope to see things grow and get bigger, not take a step backwards in the second week. Is this a sign of things to come? I mean, how how much are they going to be able to compete with the combine? And and do people just forget about the XFL altogether when that combine's going on uh, during that weekend? Well, two things I'll say. Firstly, the thing we didn't mention because we now we're talking about prime time later. Um, there's no way to know. And to judge, are all these testing numbers going to be skewed because these guys are working out at night instead of the day? Are they going to run slower? Are they going to run faster? I'll bet you there's going to be a difference in that. So that that's just one side note. Teams are going to start tracking. I'll bet you five years from now, they'll notice any of the players on a whole are either significantly faster or significantly slower because they're running five hours later or six hours later in the day. Um, but think about the XFL, and I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but do you think maybe when the league saw that the XFL was actually putting this money behind it and really had four or $500 million to make this thing last a few years, and they said they're going to play in the spring, and they said they're going to play prime time, do you think that had any influence on the NFL saying, you know, this might be a good year to start putting the workouts at night? I mean, I don't know. They never know. But I do think you will not see people watching the XFL this weekend at night because the NFL, it's just it's a juggernaut. People are going to watch guys run around in shorts and a T-shirt instead of watching quality football. Um, there are obviously issues the XFL is dealing with, like every other non-NFL league, which is finding high-end quarterbacks to make the offenses go. But I think what you've seen on the field, there's been some good stuff from the XFL so far. But this weekend's going to be a tough one because competing against the NFL in anything is hard. But nonetheless, the combine, which is sort of like its own just monster that's just growing and growing. I think the combine will get double or triple the ratings that the XFL does this weekend. Yeah, and you know it's hard to criticize because to your to your statement earlier again, NHL, NBA, they're all going to be losing out to the underwear Olympics, right? So, a hundred percent, they will. Be, <laughs> it'll be interesting to watch. Last thing for you before we uh, put a ribbon on this show. Obviously, you guys are in free agency with the CFL, uh, Calgary, you know, in that very competitive uh, West division, Bo Levy-Mitchell coming off the injury at quarterback. Uh, what's been the offseason approach here for the Stampeders as you guys, uh, you know, navigate through the free agency process? You know, I mean, I think it's just it's, it's been exciting to see that uh, we've gone out and signed a number of players in free agency, and uh, I'm really excited about one in particular, a guy named Brandon Dozier that we had when I was at Montreal, and just he's that guy that just every team needs and wants because in the locker room, he's just a man on the field. He, he he's really we, we used to joke in Montreal, this kid's sort of like a scrap of metal. Because no matter what you do, he just bounces up. Doesn't matter if he gets run over by a 300 pound lineman, he pops up like the next play, like he just rolled out of bed. He's one of the guys, he's tough as nails. He plays like his hair's on fire. Um, super productive football player, super productive kid as a person. I'm excited to see him be a part of Calgary and just excited to be a part of an organization that knows what they're doing. 
has a plan, has a focus, and everything they do is planned. There's nothing done by the stamps that just sort of last minute, let's just throw a dart at the wall. So I'm so excited to be a part of it and can't wait to get up there for training camp. We're starting workouts, tryouts around the country. Actually, next weekend, the 29th of February, we're going to be in Dallas. And on March 1st, the next day and Sunday, we're going to be in Houston. So we are ramping up tryouts all across the country over the next two months and trying to find some players that want to come up north and help us win a great cup. And also March 14th in Lawrence, New Jersey, I'll be on location. That's right. March 14th in Jersey, March 15th in Atlanta, then May 2nd we're going to be in uh, in the we're going to be in uh, LA and in Chicago our final two tryouts, and then in in mid March we're going to be down in Florida. We're doing four tryouts in a weekend. Um, so yeah, if you, it's exciting times. There are a lot of players I've got that I've invited to these tryouts, and hopefully we can come away with 10 to 15 guys from these tryouts that we can sign and bring up to training camp and and make us a better team. Even if they don't make the team, some of them, they at least come up and they raise the level of the team by making everybody compete. So all, all these trials can do is make us a better team. So I'm so excited. No, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I know there's a lot of talent here in the tri-state area where I live in New Jersey, New York area that uh, is going to be excited for that workout. So we'll continue to spread the word there. And we hope that you continue to spread the word out there about the Infectious Scouting Podcast with Russ Landy, Rick Saratella here each and every week. Again, we'll be on location in Indianapolis getting covered for uh, the primetime festivities. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a whirlwind, and we'll be back right here uh, next week to cap it all off. You got a parting shot for the people? Anything you want to leave uh, with our listening audience before we hang it up, Russ? Just super excited for this week in Indy. I mean that the 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 BSN showcase there with the 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 National Scouting Combine is a great chance to. Really get a, a feel for 300 guys that didn't get a chance to go to the NFL Combine. And uh, for those people that uh, come to the conference and uh, for SMWW want to come a day or two early and come out to this workout, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get you in there so you can see what it's like, experience what a, what a real workout is like. So it's, it's a great time. I love this week in Indy. Have an awesome time every year and uh, just excited beyond belief. Fun time. Make sure you log on NFLDraftBible.com. Go download your All-Star Game recap. Will be available. 350 plus scouting reports, and then of course the NFL Draft Bible coming on April 1st. Over 500 scouting reports. We got you covered from to back, east to west, north to south, uh, on location across the nation. We love and appreciate all of you listeners, supporters, friends, family, everybody that can make it all happen each and every week. Shout out to Sports Management Worldwide, Beyond Sports Network, Rock Landy, and for myself, Rick Saratella. Till the next time, everybody. Once it gets into your stream, there's no vaccine. You've got the sickness, too. Thanks for listening to the Infectious Scouting Podcast.